Hello and welcome to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer, a series featuring conversations with experts to share recent market developments, key insights and strategic inputs from around the globe. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Week in Markets. I am Richard Tang, the China strategist and the head of research Hong Kong for Bank Julius Baer. This week, we would like to give our audience an overview of what we're thinking about next year. In 2023, we spent a lot of time thinking about inflation. I think it's fair to say that the latest inflation print in the U.S. gives us more confidence that inflation is firmly easing globally, both emerging and developed markets. Now, under this backdrop, we believe the market debate in 2024 will be more on growth. We've been calling for no recession in the U.S. since the beginning of this year, and we continue to believe that the U.S. economy will be in good shape next year. One of the arguments relates to the linkage between monetary tightening and growth. We've previously shown that negative growth impact from tightening is usually felt with a 6 to 12 months lag, and 2023 is a year where the global economy faced the strongest headwind. Our point is that this still hasn't caused a recession, and the worst of the tightening impact is now behind us, so we should be more confident that the economy is fine next year especially for the U.S. A lot of investors asked us about the surprising economic strength this year in the U.S., and we explained this with the observation at the private sector balance. The numbers basically show that in the U.S., along with a number of developed economies, the private sector balance is still much stronger than the time right before the global financial crisis in 2008. And this means that the private sector has the wealth to buffer against external shocks. To some extent, that explains why the U.S. economy was holding up so well, even after two to three years of strong inflation, around two years of rate hikes, and the troubles with the U.S. regional banks in March. The other side of the macro debate is obviously interest rate. We are of the view that the Fed fund rate hike cycle has concluded, and we may see the first rate cut in September 2024. In the past six to nine months, while some investors complain that sharply rising interest rates have posed challenges to their investments, we actually see this a little differently. I think it's worth mentioning that continuously falling interest rates after the global financial crisis in 2008 actually have caused quite a lot of bad decisions on capital allocations. For example, the zombie companies got cheap funding to stay alive, and during 2020, when the Fed announced unlimited QE after COVID, the unprofitable companies even outperformed the megatech. Now, money has a cost again. In terms of real rates, we're back to the pre-GFC levels, so we believe that investors will be more mindful about the bottom lines or the debt repayment ability of the companies that they invest in. In other words, we may be back to the normal times in which quality prevails. This is clearly the case for our recommendation in fixed income. Our views have two parts, basically. First, we insist on a long-duration view. We fully admit that we have been too early with a long-duration call this year, especially as the 10-year U.S. Treasury yield surged in the second half of 2023. But we believe that 5% is probably the peak we're going to see this year and possibly a large part of next year. So hopefully there will be more support to bond prices if risk-free rates do not go up further. Second, we still focus on quality names. We will stick with the investment grades because investment grade yields are already good enough, and there is no need to go far down the credit curve. We've seen some pickup in the high-yield defaults, but more importantly, we think high-yield spreads are now too tight, 
so we don't see much value in the sector. We urge investors to grab the current time window to lock in yields with fixed income instruments. I know this may sound like a broken record, but if the rate hike cycle indeed has peaked, we will face a reinvestment problem pretty soon when the deposits mature. And what will happen if yields have peaked? In theory, a peak fat rate should be followed by dollar depreciation. Indeed, when we consider the path for monetary policy, the dollar is on track to depreciate. But we think only softly. In other words, a sharp dollar collapse is not our base case scenario. And this is because U.S. rates may stay at the current level for a couple more quarters. Uh, when a trader shocks the dollar, he or she will incur a 5-6% to 6% trading cost. And bear in mind, yen doesn't earn much interest, which means you need the yen to go up quite a bit just to break even. Okay, then let's move on to equities. No recession is clearly good for equities. Interestingly enough, cyclicals have outperformed defensive by a lot, so the equity market may have already priced in the benign growth outlook for next year. This observation seems to be true for both U.S. and European markets. Rather than betting on cyclicals or defensives, we keep the view that quality growth will outperform. Within the developed markets, we like U.S. over Europe. We also like Japan and India in the region. The case for Japan is fairly simple. On the fundamental side, we have inflation kicking in, wages being raised so average selling prices and margins expand. On the valuation side, Japanese companies are moving in the right direction to focus on corporate governance and shareholder returns, so this may be a trigger for some re-rating. But it's also about that foreign flows are still light relative to the economics time, and domestic allocation has room to increase, so we'll expect to see some foreign money as well as domestic money getting into the Japanese equity market. Finally, the elephant of the room obviously is China. In short, we hold on to our view of prolonged stagnation. We expect the Chinese market to be stuck in the trading range for some time, similarly to what it did during 2011 to 2015, because the structural challenges in the country remain, and we think it's going to take some time to fix. That being said, we also recognize that we are currently at the low end of the range. And with the markets raising policy expectations on China, we think there may be room for a year-end rebound. It is less likely this will become a new bull market, though. So our focus is actually on individual stocks and sectors. For example, in China, we currently like SOEs and dividend stocks. All right, that's all I have to say today. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for our next podcast. Goodbye for now. You have been listening to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer. If you like what you've heard, please tell us by leaving a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Subscribe to Beyond Markets on your favorite podcast player to stay up to date with our latest episodes. To learn more about Julius Bayer, our people, our latest thinking, visit us at www.juliusbayer.com. We will be back with a brand new episode soon. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliusbear.com slash legal slash podcast for further important legal information.